0: And I've heard a lot of people, you know, it's like, well, what does one metal straw do? And I understand that mindset. But also I saw something one time that was like, oh, one metal, one plastic straw isn't going to do anything. Said 5 million people. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, it is. It's all about the tiny steps and doing what you can with what you have based on like what works with your life.
1: Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Passages. I am your host, Chloe, and today we are talking with my friend, Rachel. By day, Rachel Raisin works in product marketing for Microsoft, but outside of work, Rachel is a devoted artist and climate activist on a mission to live a zero waste lifestyle and illustrate her journey along the way. She has turned her passion for thrift shopping and upcycling into a sustainable lifestyle overhaul with her climate advocacy blog and artwork. Rachel knows sustainability fits perfectly into the young professional lifestyle and has shown us how simple it can be to start making some lasting changes. Let's jump right into what you're going to learn from Rachel today. I asked Rachel to share really mindful, really easy, simple first steps if you're interested in living more sustainably as a young professional. Trust me, it's so much simpler than you would think. We also talk the reality of fast fashion, eco-friendly alternatives, and amazing tips for shopping secondhand if you've ever been interested in exploring that. We talk the wider context of climate change, environmental degradation, and how each of us can play a part as active citizens. Whether you're already a sustainability guru or just looking to get started, you're going to absolutely love this conversation and walk away with some tangible tips you can implement today. Here's my conversation with Rachel super quick disclaimer right before we jump in for the first few minutes of my conversation with rachel there was a little bit of a technical glitch we had a little bit of kind of like a ringing thing (laughs) it doesn't take away from the conversation i promise i'm hoping that you can just stay with us keep listening and we end up resolving it a few minutes into the episode so thank you for listening today i hope you love my conversation with rachel let's get into
0: it So I grew up in a pretty artsy family. I'm from a small town in Georgia and We just loved, you know, upcycling and making crafts and creating art and just kind of using what you have, you know, to make something new. But at that point, I never really considered myself as sustainable or eco-friendly. It was never really anything that crossed my mind. But I did love to go thrifting. And that's something that I grew up, you know, doing with my mom and my sister. Um, It's just something we kind of grew up doing as a fun activity. And then, when I got to college, still didn't consider myself sustainable, didn't, you know, even factor that into the jobs I was looking at or anything like that. But my roommates and I would go thrifting together just for the point of getting outfits on a budget. Because in college, you know, there are tons of events to go to, and there's always things happening. And I felt like I always needed new outfits. So we would go thrifting as a way to explore our personal style and kind of get what we needed to. Th- at college on a budget. Um, but it wasn't until recently, just a couple months ago, that I started, I guess, basically blogging, if you will, micro about thrifting. Um, and that's kind of where it all started. I've been, so be- long story short, I've been super passionate about thrifting and secondhand, but it was just until recently that I really dove into the topic and I started posting on Instagram about my secondhand outfits. And it was just kind of, you know, um, just a fun thing to share with my family and friends. I would just kind of share my outfits and say, here's what I got. And they would comment and say, it's so cute. But then through that, I started learning more about the effects of fast fashion and about the environmental impacts of shopping secondhand. And that's really when all of this started. Um, And it sort of opened up the funnel of being an advocate for the climate. So it started off as thrifting and like upcycling and funneled into being a climate advocate. And you've
1: freaking taken off. If you're not following Rachel, (laughs) 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 it's just, I mean, you're just doing everything so well it blows my mind like not only are you educating your following and like truly like showing up as an educator and an advocate and like having this major presence explaining to people all these things, you also have this, like, incredible brand, and, like, you're so joyful, and your art is incredible, it's so shareable, like, I have totally just soaked up all of your content, and it's, I just find it really inspiring, like, A, how fast you've grown, just because I'm, like, a nerd about social media, yeah, but then B, like, it's just
0: so effective. And you're just like the best presence. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Chloe. It's been just so crazy. Like I don't consider myself an influencer. I wasn't doing this to gain a following. It was just kind of like a fun thing. And then it's just kind of taken off and it's been so crazy. Like I have, I have a job. I'm like doing my own thing. And then I have this like Instagram thing I don't don't even know what to call it when people talk to me about it I'm just like I blog on Instagram I don't know but it's been it's been so much fun and like I've made so many awesome connections and I'm learning so freaking much about the climate and about environmentalism and all of that stuff so it's been really really awesome. I love that I love that so can you talk to me a little bit about like
1: Like what was running through your head that day, that decision, when you were like, I'm going to do this, like I'm going to start my blog, or even like when you decided to start your newsletter, like what was kind of running through your head? Because it is vulnerable, you know, like it is a little bit scary to say like, hey, I made this decision for myself. Let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. Um, What kind of inspired those
0: decisions? Yeah. So I'll be honest, it was not easy. I've, I've always wanted to kind of blog about thrifting. I feel like that was always something that was sort of in the back of my mind. But when I decided to do it, I was so nervous. Like I never really posted on Instagram before that. I would text pictures to my friends and be like, which one is better? Like, what do you think about this caption? Should I use this filter? I was like so anxious about it, but I knew it was a message I wanted to share and I would so I was kind of struggling with that and long story short, I began posting more and more and it just kind of became more comfortable for me. And now I just kind of post whatever I want and hopefully people like it. And if they don't, like there's you know always haters out there and that's okay. But it it was definitely a struggle for me. But the big thing was I knew I had a message I wanted to share and I knew that I wanted to get it out there. And I just had to I just had to do it, you know? Mm, yeah. Yeah. That's really inspiring. I feel like what really throws something
1: like over the edge where you're just like, okay, I have to do this. Like mm-hmm. here I go is having even just like one person in the back of your mind where mm-hmm. you're like, I really want to speak to this person. Like, even if it's your one friend and abundance to you, like a message that you think is impacting one person could impact 3,500.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like if, if you are passionate about something, there is likely at least one person, but probably a lot more that are passionate or interested in the same thing. Like there's never too many ideas. There's never too many people sharing their ideas in good Ted fashion. Um, <laughs> so, so it, it's been really cool. And then as I started posting, I've gotten like, so many people DM me with ideas and, you thank yous and motivation like it's just been so so awesome and very inspired and humbling mm-hmm.
1: I love that I love that okay so if we can dig into your expertise yes. if you will. <laughs> <laughs> I I feel like for our audience and especially I mean selfishly like for myself like yeah. I admire everything that you do but to me you know changing my entire life to be super sustainable sounds really overwhelming, right? You're Mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, there's so much to be done. The second you start educating yourself, there's like, oh, everything I'm doing feels like it's wrong or, oh, it's just not worth it because I'm just one person. Mm -hmm. Um, I was wondering if you could share like your most straightforward advice for somebody who's exactly in our age and stage and they're like interested in living more sustainably. Like, they kind Mm -hmm. of admire that lifestyle they've maybe watched a documentary or two on Netflix Mm -hmm. um like what are some really really basic simple lifestyle choices that maybe you started out with or you would
0: recommend to our audience to help the earth Yes. Okay. So I'll start by saying that I am in no means an expert. Like I've literally been blogging for like four months on this. (laughs) And like, sometimes I don't even consider myself sustainable, but I, it's, it's, to me, it's all about the little things and like being mindful. Um, so it's, it's this journey that I'm on and I may not be the expert, but I can share with you, you know, what I've learned and kind of my big takeaway so far. Um, so the biggest tip that I always say is to use what you have and that the most sustainable option is something that you already own. So if you're, for example, if you're going to an event and you're like, oh, what's the most sustainable way I can find an outfit? It's the outfit that's in your closet it's what you already have or if you're wanting to switch to a more eco-friendly product you know maybe a more eco-friendly toothpaste it's more sustainable to use up the entire tube of toothpaste even if it's not recyclable or compostable using up every single every little last drop of the toothpaste is more sustainable than throwing that away and buying something new Mm -hmm. so just using what you have and using your resources, and whether it's through upcycling or using every little drop or finding a new way to use what you have, it's by far the most sustainable thing you could do.
1: Wow. Okay, that is really straightforward. (laughs) 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 So do you think that, that following this kind of lifestyle has turned you into somewhat of a minimalist? Or do you think like minimalism and sustainability, like where is that kind of intersection?
0: Yeah, so about I probably two months into this different, this change of mindset that I've had, I definitely started noticing things that I wasn't using or that I didn't need. Um, and I really started working my way towards a more minimalist life now i'm in i'm not a minimalist i still feel like i have so much stuff lying around everywhere but it's all about being mindful and really considering you know when you're about to purchase something do i really need this how many times will i use this how will this benefit my life can i borrow it from someone like all of those questions and then just being mindful about what you're using and if you really need it um and moving to my new apartment recently, it's been really great because I've kind of had an opportunity to reset, I guess, um, and really figure out when I was moving, like, what I really needed and what, was, what were the most essential things to have here in my apartment. Um, but I'm working my way towards minimalism. Not there yet, but it's definitely something that I keep in mind and that I try to just be mindful about in my life, I guess.
1: Yes. No, and I've totally followed you. Like I, I like, you went to Goodwill to get a bunch of like yeah. flower vases or something, and I was
0: like, "That's yeah. genius!" Like I never really yeah. even thought of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's a huge thing. Like, might so be jumping the gun, but secondhand, like you can literally get anything secondhand. Yeah. And furnishing my like we've pretty much furnished our entire apartment secondhand through Facebook Marketplace or through Goodwill or like borrowing things from people. So. If you ever need anything, just ask yourself, "Can I get this secondhand?" And then, if you can't get it secondhand, you could consider, you know, the brand's mission. If they have any eco values, um, there's kind of just a line of things you can go through um, when you're looking to buy something. I'm obsessed. Okay,
1: so on this, you make it sound so easy, but I want to. <laughs> <laughs> What do you, what do you, in your experience, like what do you think has been the most challenging thing or the most mm-hmm. unexpected thing about changing your everyday decisions?
0: I think it was definitely at first when I knew I kind of made the decision that I wanted to live a more sustainable lifestyle, but I felt like the only way to do that was to buy all of the eco-friendly products out there and replace everything I have and just kind of like start over. But that was gonna be so expensive because if you're wanting to buy sustainable products, they are probably gonna cost more than what you already buy just because, you know, of things the brand's doing and making sure they have a sustainable supply chain and treating their workers fairly and all of that stuff. So it was just kind of intimidating because I felt like, you know, I wasn't working yet. I just I was a senior. I just graduated from college and I could not afford to live that kind of life. But after a while I realized, you know, like I said earlier, it's more, it's less about the products you're using and more about using what you have effectively. Um, so the, the, um, the biggest thing for me was just kind of making that mindset change and realizing that it wasn't about buying the products. It wasn't about, you know, being the most ethical consumer. It was about being the most ethical individual and being mindful about my actions. I'm not sure if that answered your question.
1: Wow. No, are you kidding? No. Yeah. <laughs> we what you just said, it's like not about being the best consumer. It's about being the best individual. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, I feel like I've really fallen into that trap sometimes. Like being on Instagram and seeing a brand that's like really sustainable or fair trade. And like my first thought is like, Oh, the best thing for me to do is to support this brand, Mm -hmm. which which isn't a bad thing. But hearing you say that, I feel like it adds this other perspective. That's like, okay, well maybe when the time is right, like when I'm ready to buy something or when I'm in need of something, I can look to this brand rather than assuming like I'm going to do good to my sustainable lifestyle by consuming more
0: (laughs) yes yes exactly and you know you can make a change by voting with your dollars and putting pressure on companies but that's not the only way to be sustainable um and i it, it doesn't have to be expensive in fact It can be super affordable, and I I wouldn't be like trying this if it were hard or if if it were expensive. Like I'm a young professional, you know, I'm working, I have a lot going on, and if it if it weren't easy and if it weren't affordable, I probably wouldn't be doing it. Um, I think that's probably the biggest thing for me.
1: Yeah. Yes. Uh, Oh my (laughs) (laughs) god. And it's so funny too, like reflecting on when I was moving into my apartment because like. I, I think last year I was like, okay, I'm in San Francisco, like now is the time. I am gonna be that trendy, sustainable. And like, realistically, I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't know like what Mm -hmm. my decisions needed to be. And so I remember I bought like a massive thing of mason jars on Amazon Mm -hmm. being like, ooh, this is my first step. Like I see sustainable (laughs) people using mason jars all the time. They proceeded to collect so much dust under my bed because I had like no need for them. And then when I moved into this apartment, I was like, okay, I'm gonna start using them. Like I'm gonna be that person that puts all of." my, like, nuts and seeds Mm. and spices and things, like, Uh into mason jars, and what ended up happening is I would, like, buy these nuts, seeds, and spices in, like, plastic bags, and I would just (laughs)
0: transport them into the mason jars, but then, like, they wouldn't fit in the mason jars, so I'd have to keep them, I mean, it was just, like, what am I doing, you know? Yeah, and that's the thing, I feel like a common misconception about sustainability is the aesthetics, Mm -hmm. and, like, yes, it can be cute, you know, you can have your bulk items, you can be minimal. But in reality, there's a lot, you know, if maybe you're gardening and like you're getting dirty or maybe it's like reusing that one Ziploc bag over and over again because you don't want to throw it away. Like whatever it is, it's it's not always going to be before the aesthetics it. um, And that's okay. Yes. Oh, I needed to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And that's yes. so good as young professionals because it just goes back to the thing that you don't have to buy everything. You can probably have something that you can already use, yeah. even if it's not the prettiest.
1: Oh yeah. Yes. Okay, so on this topic of consumerism, yes. let's let's dig into it. So I've only probably watched like i you know i am that person who's like watched one documentary like posted on instagram one time but Mm -hmm. i'm starting i'm on the brink of educating myself really about fast fashion and i would love if you just took the took this opportunity to kind of share some things that you've learned um what is fast fashion like as a concept um and and what
0: is like yeah let's start there like what is what is the problem Okay, so fast fashion is often described as like the cheap, trendy clothes, you know, H&M, Forever 21, um, that just kind of go with the seasons, you know, maybe the store comes out with 10 new lines every year, or 15 new lines. And then after a couple months, it's out of style and you don't need it anymore. And like you want to throw it away or give it away and get something new. Um, And typically it's the clothes that are are cheap and affordable. um, But there's a lot more behind the price tag than what meets the eye. Um, And this is really something that got me so passionate about Climate change, just because some of the stats blew my mind. Um, one that always sticks with me is that one pair of jeans is something like one pair of jeans takes over 2,000 gallons of water to make, which is enough for one person to drink eight cups of water per day for 10 years. Like, that's just crazy. And if you could just buy, you know, one pair of jeans secondhand, That's a lot of water that you're saving. And then there's also the aspect of the workers experiencing extremely unsafe working conditions, like the chemicals they work with or um, extreme overtime. There's um, a severe lack of diversity in fast fashion industries and the employees going all the way up to the C-suite. Just there's a lot that goes behind fast fashion and While you can get the clothes for an affordable price, which is great. They're at a cost. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Isn't there's like that documentary, the one that I watch is called like the true. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Would definitely recommend that to anybody who want to say it's on Netflix. If not, it's easy to find.
0: Yeah, it's really good and just so eye-opening, and it's it's something, like, it's so easy to walk into a store and just buy something and not think about it, but that's where, like, being mindful comes in, and it's okay if you want to, if you want to go buy something at H&M, like, that's totally okay, but it's just all about being mindful of those decisions.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so when you really started to, to prioritize secondhand shopping, Mm -hmm. like, in your life and everything, um... Do you have any tips? I, I feel like that's kind of an ambiguous question, but like, I'm not one to just go casually thrifting. And mm-hmm. I feel like up until this point, I've always thought of, you know, the Buffalo exchanges or whatever, the Goodwills is kind of like, mm-hmm. okay, this is where I'm going to drop off my used clothing, but I, I never actually shop there. Um, I don't know. Do you have any tips in your experience secondhand shopping?
0: Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> um, so my, probably my biggest tip, If anyone is into Pinterest, I'm a huge (laughs) Pinterest user and it's really easy on Pinterest to see outfits that you like, um, you know, and then you want to buy them. I put them on a board called let's go thrifting or something like that. And so every time before I go into a thrift store, I look at my board to kind of see what I'm looking for. So if I'm like, okay, I want high-waisted jean shorts, I go directly to that section and try to find what I want. So that way I get Exactly what I'm wanting. I'm not as overwhelmed by all of the options because it can get it can be a lot because you know there's only one of everything. It's in the one particular size, so that kind of helps me become less overwhelmed and to stay focused on what I really want. Um, The other tip, which could be a bit intimidating and it, it it was for me at first, is always remember that you can fix something. So if you find a pair of jeans that you just love, but they're a little bit too big, you can take them to a seamstress or maybe you can do it on your own to get them fixed where they fit you exactly and where you love them and you can wear them all the time You get a lot of use out of them. Because um, you're not always gonna find the perfect thing in your size, but you can get it fixed and it's pretty easy. Okay, those are really good tips. <laughs> That's actually, that's
1: exactly what I needed. Cause I think that that's like what happens, right? Like you walk uh-huh. in and there's a gazillion racks, whereas okay. at like a, you know, a non secondhand store, like a typical retail store, everything's like organized and like you see mm-hmm. like, okay, this is exactly like the outfit that's in season that I would want. And in secondhand, there's kind of this, like, if you take that one extra step, that's like, okay, this is what I'm shopping for. Like, this is my aesthetic. This is my vision. You can actually like, go right to that section and have way more options.
0: Yes, exactly. And another good way to do it is to do online thrifting, which I've recently gotten into because of quarantine, um, just as a really safe way to go thrifting. But often with companies like ThreadUp or um, other, brand, other companies, you can sort by size and by brand and by color, just anything you want. It's super, super easy. Wow.
1: I love that. And do you have, like, a discount code or something? Because you're, like, an ambassador, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, go to my Insta, click on the link in my bio. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, but really, ReallyThrodUp is a really great ethical company. No,
1: I really, really love that. I'm definitely looking them up after this.
0: Okay, so
1: on – in a similar vein, I think Mm -hmm. that something that I really struggle with, and I I could see other people, too, is – you feel really small in really big issues. Like climate change is an entire, like scientific industry. There are people like, like little Greta is on the front lines. I'm like, I don't know how I, as just, you know, your average young professional can make a difference in like helping our world. If I'm not kind of like in the work, doing the research, like advocating every single day. Mm -hmm. how do you find productive ways to kind of advocate for change, even as you're seeing like big companies make decisions that, that you're not involved in, but that you can clearly see are like detrimental to our world?
0: Yeah, so that's a really great question. And it's definitely something I've struggled with. But some things that I've read that's really helped me is defining the difference between systemic and personal change. So personal change would be like, um, buying, you know, an eco-friendly product or your individual actions, like making sure you're composting your food or just kind of the small things that we're doing every day, every day. And then the systemic, that's like a company's bottom line and like our government and things like that. And so kind of dividing those in my mind and making them clear really helps. And also recognizing that we have to make change in both areas of our lives. So I I have a responsibility as an individual to shop ethically and to support um, good brands and to recycle and compost and all of those things. But I also have a responsibility to help create systemic change. And this is kind of what you're talking about, how it can get extremely overwhelming because it's like, what can I do as one person to help change a company's bottom line? Um, But there's actually a lot you can do. And it's really hopeful for me to think about these things. So, a couple things I would I would mention would be getting involved with your local government. Um, a lot of times, local representatives and senators and things like that can have a huge effect on the environment. So, for example, this summer I interned for a local political campaign, and one of the candidate's main Points. One of her main platform points was to stop seismic drilling. Um, I lived on the coast, and seismic drilling was like a huge thing for marine life and all of the biodiversity in the area. Um, and if we were able to stop seismic drilling in the area, it would be a huge environmental achievement for for um, the district. So that's one way getting involved with local political campaigns: voting, encouraging your friends to vote, and just staying updated on the issues and voting for the environment is a really good way. Um, another way to kind of help help encourage the systemic changes to put pressure on companies. So, and th- this kind of ties back into individual actions as well, but if you don't buy from fast fashion brands or if you buy less from fast fashion brands, it's gonna put pressure on them to, to change and to, to do better. Um, And this can also take the form of, you know, calling them out on social media or writing them letters or anything like that. Just putting pressure on the different companies to do better. Um, And then I think another aspect is if you are an entrepreneur, um, thinking about that kind of social aspect, the social entrepreneurship um, part of entrepreneurship and thinking about how your business or your company or your employees, whatever it is, how they can make a difference while also, you know, meeting your bottom line.
1: Oh, I'm so energized by this!
0: Oh, <laughs> wow! Yes. <laughs> okay, thank you
1: for those very tangible uh, tips. I'm definitely taking those away. And as an aspiring entrepreneur myself, I'm amped. I want to. Like, I feel like this is why social impact gets me so excited because yeah, yeah like it. It literally goes hand in hand. I feel like. Um, there's just so many easy ways for mm-hmm. small businesses, companies to just add even the tiniest little thing yep. to incorporate corporate social responsibility or education in general, diversity. I mean, everything that you were just saying, I'm, I'm really energized by all of that. Yeah.
0: And even if I feel like some people are like, oh, well, my company couldn't do that because of ABC. You probably can. There's probably like some avenue that you can wiggle into to be more sustainable. Like I read about this carpet company. They sold carpet squares. Like how can this become, how can this even be a sustainable thing? The carpet squares, I don't know the technology behind this, but somehow they did something where they like absorbed carbon. So they were essentially carbon negative carpet squares which is so crazy I have no idea how it works but like so cool yeah wait do you remember the company <laughs> no I don't I'll I'll <laughs> look it up and see if I can find it yeah
1: <laughs> that's really cool that's really cool are there any other companies off the top of your head that you feel like or brands that you feel like are kind of doing this really really well or maybe are doing it unexpectedly
0: hmm um the, the first thing that comes to my mind is just here, I've seen a bunch of cafes, mm-hmm. you know, it, it like it's a cafe, like I'm going to go get coffee there. But from everything from where they source their coffee and tea to how they're disposing of it to how they're treating the employees, like there's so many avenues. This is the best example, but it just goes to show that every single company has something that they could be doing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I think that's a really great example for
0: sure. Okay. Can you, this
1: is something I'm, um pretty uneducated on, but I feel like you would have great knowledge to share with our audience. Can you unpack how environmental degradation affects underprivileged communities differently than affluent ones?
0: This is something I feel really uneducated
1: on and I feel like you would really know and have something to share.
0: So I definitely feel like I have a lot more to learn on this and um I know like my voice isn't the best one to be amplified on this topic, but I can, you know, again share with you what I've read and like some accounts that I've been following and things like that. Um but from from what I've read, low-income communities, BIPOC communities are disproportionately affected by climate change. Um, an example of this is higher pollution from plants that isn't being affected by the government. Um so for example. There might be a plant near where you uh, uh, um, a factory or plant that where you live that's producing a lot of pollution. And if you live in a higher income community, it's likely that your government is doing something to address that pollution. And this is just one example, but likely if you live in a low-income community, they're being affected disproportionately because of the higher pollution from the plants that's not being addressed. Um, Another example that I've read a lot about and um, saw firsthand was hurricanes and natural disasters disproportionately affecting low-income communities. Um, So an example of this is when Hurricane Katrina hit in New Orleans and, and the Mississippi area, a lot of the Hurricane Katrina relief, the natural disaster relief, wasn't distributed equally. Um, And I actually went on a service trip when I was in college at Georgia Tech to Biloxi, Mississippi. Um, And we saw Biloxi was just, you know, about 30 minutes or an hour away from New Orleans. And New Orleans, and this was, you know, 10 years later after Hurricane Katrina, New Orleans was completely built back up. But once you got into sort of more of the low income communities like Biloxi, where I was at, there was still work to be done. There was, there was still houses to be built back up. There was, there was still, you know, devastation in the community. And it was just so eye-opening to see firsthand the disproportionate relief and how, and how there needs to be equal protection from the government in all areas. Um, and this is just touching the surface. And this is, you know, what I can speak on.
1: Yeah. No, that I I feel like that's that's eye opening. Are there any mm-hmm. accounts that you would recommend, like on Instagram or any sort of resources for anybody that was interested in learning more?
0: Yes. So one of my favorite accounts is Marie Beecham. She she used to be Waste Free Marie, but now she's rebranded. She shares tons of just great content on all of this. Um, another one is Doctor. Ayana Elizabeth Johnson, she is a marine biologist, and she touches a lot on kind of what I was talking about, the natural disaster relief um, and equal protection and things like that.
1: Okay. Amazing. Amazing. Definitely following them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. They are both queens. Okay. So then,
1: kind of in a similar realm as well, I, I feel like they're maybe this is just my perspective, like maybe this is something that I think and and like a bias that I feel, but I I feel like it could be universal. Like it's kind of a social norm, depending Mm -hmm. on where you are to explore everyday sustainable living. And I guess sometimes like that is a political decision or it is something that somebody above you makes a decision on. For example, in California, um, you have to pay extra for shopping bags when you go mm-hmm. shopping, even if you buy like a gazillion things from like a store in the mall, you st- they will ask whether or not you want a shopping bag, mm-hmm. um, and like reusable bags at the grocery store. Like all of that is super normal, but in some cities and especially like growing up when this wasn't really the norm, like that's really not the case. And I was wondering if you, A, if you had thoughts on that and then B, what are ways that if you do feel really passionate about environmentalism or living a more sustainable life and it's not necessarily the social norm to think that way, what are ways that you can kind of encourage that in your social circles or your community?
0: Yes, so I'm super passionate about this because I've been thinking about it a lot. I just moved from Georgia to Seattle and it's been completely different worlds. Like, you can get fined here if you put food waste into trash and it's, it's oh, wonderful. Wow. <laughs> um, and like in Georgia, you know, not many people even recycled and mm. I'm, I'm really glad to be in a city now that supports living more sustainably. And it's, it, I'm so thankful for that, but it is definitely an issue in other areas and it's definitely become a social norm in some parts of the the country and in some parts of the world Um, But one thing I would say to encourage environmentalism, even if you're not in kind of one of those communities that really emphasizes sustainability, is to just lead by example. Like, it takes, you know, one person bringing their reusable shopping bags to the store for your friends to see you doing it, and they start bringing their own. Um, Or it takes one question like, oh, um, why don't you use a reusable water bottle instead of buying you know, a new one every time. It just takes one person to kind of start the change and start making those tiny life changes for other people to follow. That's so true.
1: Oh my Mm -hmm. gosh. Even like as simple as bringing a water bottle into work or like at school, I feel like seeing my friends with like cute water bottles that had stickers on them or something like that, like inspired me to want to have my own. Yeah.
0: And I've heard a lot of people, you know, it's like, well, what does one metal straw do? And I understand that mindset, but also I saw something one time that was like, oh, one metal, one plastic straw isn't going to do anything, said 5 million people. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, it is. It's all about the tiny steps and doing what you can with what you have based on like what works with your life. Oh, that's good. Oh, wow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's really good. Okay, wrapping up now, I have just kind of like one, one last major question, and then we'll veer into lightning round, which is my favorite part. But in terms of education, um, I feel like this is kind of a good way to end. How did you learn so much about all these issues? And what are some specific resources that you could point our audience to if they were interested in learning more in general about everything that we talked about?
0: yes so for me a lot of it was i learned a lot through instagram which i know sometimes isn't the most reliable source but i just learned a lot through reading other bloggers and other posts and just kind of seeing how other people are living more sustainably based on the area they live in and what they have and things like that but some tangible resources so some of my favorite i really like cnn climate they have a website and their own instagram and they post super informative things Um, The NPR Climate Forward newsletter is really great. It goes out every Wednesday and it's just, it's a good summary of kind of what's happening in the climate news every week. Um, For podcasts, I have so many that I listen to, but a couple of my favorites are there's one called Conscious Chatter. Um, They kind of talk about everything, living a more conscious life. And then I also like one called Live Planted. It's, it's about veganism, but I'm not vegan and I still listen to it. It's, it's more just about like being mindful and what you eat and um, your everyday life. And then kind of a random one, there's an app called Good On You and it basically tells you about different companies that are doing ethical things. So if you're wanting to buy a product, you can look them up and they might be on Good On You and you can kind of see like how ethical or eco-friendly they are as a company and it's pretty reliable.
1: Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh, wow. Downloading
0: it all. (laughs) (laughs) Yes,
1: yes, definitely do. And we'll make sure that all of that is linked in the show notes too for the episode. So anybody listening, you can just go click. (laughs) Awesome. Love it. Okay. Rachel, thank you so much for being on the pod today. We are going to wrap up with a quick lightning round. Don't think, just say. Are you ready? Okay. I'm ready. Let's go. (laughs) Okay. All time favorite sustainability role model.
0: Marie Beecham. Oh, okay.
1: Love it. Favorite eco-friendly brand? Earth Hero.
0: What is it? Wait, can
1: you say that again? Earth
0: Hero. (laughs) Okay, okay. okay. They're not a brand. They're what they sell, like, other brands, but it counts, I think.
1: (laughs) Wait, no, I love that. Okay, I'm looking that up after. And then, last but not least, the most empowering quote that you would want to leave listeners with?
0: Oh, the most sustainable option is what you already own. I love it. It's not yeah. a quote. It's just a saying. It's, just a, it's <laughs> you. dash was a reason. I don't know who said that. <laughs> no, I, I definitely did not come up with this, but I will claim it. <laughs> I
1: love it. Oh my gosh. Rachel, thank you so much. I have learned so much in such a short amount of time. I'm so thankful Hi. for you. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. Okay, I do I keep the mason jars? Do I not? Um, i'm just kidding rachel i learned so much from you today in this episode and i'm hoping that you listening also learned as much as i did i feel like rachel your gift is really breaking things down into like hey this is what you can do starting today it doesn't have to be massive it doesn't have to be life-altering it can actually be something that's ingrained and driven by everything you already have in your own life i mean that's inspiring, that's actionable, that makes me want to call myself like sustainable. Like, hey, I'm gonna start today and this is what I'm gonna do. So Rachel, I am so thankful you came on the podcast today. I mean, ever since we became friends back at Georgia Tech, working on TEDx together, I knew that you were gonna go so far. You are such an inspiration to me and I'm so excited to continue cheering you on. If you are not following Rachel on Instagram, we will have everything that you need to support her, subscribe to her newsletter, cheer her on, and learn how to live more sustainably linked below also let's reshare let's hype her up you know what to do screenshot that you're listening and tag at passages pod on instagram so we can share hear your takeaways listen to your feedback and continue building out incredible conversations for you to learn from we have so much in store for Passages and everything to come. I hinted at it last week, but if you're listening in now, you are a true fan and we want to thank you. So here's your sneak peek on what's to come. We are wrapping up season one of Passages. Can you believe it? I started this May 1st and gosh, it's it's been a while. <laughs> well overdue. So. We are going to be wrapping up season one and launching season two on October 1st, along with a few other exciting platforms. Passages is advancing and extending into a larger brand called the Passages Project. We're going to have incredible ways for you to contribute to our platforms, to tell your stories, to connect with advice and essentially share your passages. One podcast once a week with one person is not enough. And I know all of you listening also have something to say. And we want to give you that platform to do so. So stay tuned, mark your calendars, October 1st, big things are happening. I'm so excited. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time, I will see you on the other side.